Melissa. Hi, Kyle. Happy August. Happy August. We are back and we have we, we have officially reached the busy season. We're in it. Absolutely. To win it. Summer it's vacation happening. is over. We are <laughs> over. back to school. Yes. New pencils and pens have been bought and we have written a lot of things in our planners because it is a very, very busy time. But it is a never very too busy, busy time. No. for this podcast. So. <laughs> No, we're making it happen. But in in that vein, um, being that it is a busy time, we are excited to have a few interviews in this month of August. I know we're already more than halfway through the month, which I we not talking about that. Um, but we've got a few things on our on our plate and uh, on the docket to share with all of our listeners, and we're pretty excited about it. So uh, we're going to kick things off in this episode, and we were really thrilled to be joined by our friends at GGA Partners to talk about um, the Club Leaders Perspective survey. But before we dive into that, I want to just share this note from GGA. In the ever-changing private club industry, how can professionals keep their fingers on the pulse? We've partnered with global private consulting firm GGA Partners on the 2022 Club Leaders Perspective Report, where over 500 club leaders share their trends, challenges, and pressing needs in club management. This report sheds light on the industry outlook and ripple effects of COVID-19, human resource and workforce demands, the membership experience and programming, capital planning and long-range improvement strategies, and budgeting and forecasting. It really runs the gamut and covers everything. You can read more about the Club Leaders Perspective Report at www.ggapartners.com. Now, in this report, club leaders weighed in on emerging trends and challenges across five primary areas. They looked at industry outlook within the post-COVID-19 ecosystem, human resources and workforce demands, membership experience and programming, capital planning and long-range improvement strategies and budgeting and forecasting, and inflationary impacts on service, which is obviously a huge topic of interest right now. So we're going to dive in and explore the full findings of this research and the important takeaways for club management professionals as you're wrangling with these issues for the remainder of this year. And we are excited to have two experts with us on the podcast today. First up is Dr. Eric Bray, PhD, a director at GGA Partners and a researcher and professor at the University of Wisconsin-Stout School of Hospitality Leadership, where his work focuses on leveraging analytics to guide the implementation of consumer-centric strategy. He also has experience teaching courses in customer analytics, club, golf, and resort management, marketing, and business strategy. In his role with GGA, Dr. Ray's focus is to assist golf, club, resort, and municipal operators with expanded insight into existing data and managed consumer feedback services, including the implementation of the Satisfaction Impact Assessment, which is a comprehensive study designed to provide a deeper and more meaningful understanding of the touch points that have the greatest potential to impact member satisfaction. Prior to joining the faculty at Wisconsin Stout, he spent six years at the University of Memphis, Fogelman College of Business and Economics, where he founded the Center for Hospitality Business. He has published numerous peer-reviewed journal papers, written industry white papers and book chapters, received multiple recognitions and honors for his research, and has conducted applied research and analysis for numerous international organizations. He achieved his PhD at Purdue University School of Hospitality and Tourism Management, and his MS and BS at the University of Wisconsin-Stout School of Hospitality Leadership. 
And Dr. Bray is joined by Ben Hopkinson, and he is a director of client success and sales at GGA Partners. Ben holds a Bachelor's of Business Administration at Ivy Business School at Western University. At GGA, Ben specializes in managing and executing the key deliverable content of the strategic planning process, including market analysis, operational reviews, strategic planning surveys, and marketing plans. Ben started at GGA Partners in 2014 and rejoined the team in May of 2015. Prior to joining GGA, he spent his summers working at his home course, the Stratford Country Club, as a pro shop associate. Through his academic and work experience in the golf industry, Ben has developed a strong aptitude for identifying trends in market research and conducting quantitative analyses to enable clients to make informed, data-driven decisions. In addition to being an alternate on Western's OUA championship-winning varsity golf team, Ben has played competitive junior golf locally and on a regional junior tour. He has also taught lessons at a junior golf camp for three years as part of an initiative to grow the youth game in his community. So we are excited to welcome Eric and Ben to the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today on this lovely August afternoon. Um, We're excited to kind of dig in and and talk about uh, these trends and how our listeners uh, should be thinking about those. So first off, um, how are you both doing? How's your summer going? Ben, Excellent. We'll start with you. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Melissa. Uh, it's been so nice this summer to get back to a, a sense of normalcy, uh, do some traveling, some socializing, and, and really make up for for lost time. Um, I'm based out of out of GGA's Toronto office, so um, we obviously had some some tight restrictions over the past few years in Canada, and, and uh, certainly making up for it now. And and uh, really excited to uh, resume traveling and getting back out across the industry to uh, to many clubs and and. Uh, and seeing how the industry's progressed through the last through the last few years. How about you, Eric? I mean, what an incredible summer, Melissa. I mean, the industry is back working on all cylinders. I mean, the excitement is just you could feel it everywhere. And that excitement that the members, the operators, everyone who's involved in the industry is absolutely bleeding over into my life as well. You know, to get back to, like Ben said, some sense of normalcy has been absolutely so it's been great you know after two years of being locked down and so i i don't know if you can tell my voice but i am sure glad that this summer is back to normal if you will absolutely it, it's been great to you know i love that get out and travel and, and see and just really enjoy um what all of our industry has to offer so in in previous episodes of our podcast we have been talking about inflation obviously it's a pretty significant issue impacting everybody. And so one of the first questions I want to dive into is what should clubs be doing right now to respond to that increased inflation uh, that they're experiencing? And and Ben, we'll throw this to you first. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, certainly a critical time um, right now just to start evaluating reactionary changes in light of inflation that's occurred the past year. Um, obviously, you know, with many seasonal or second home clubs preparing for the start of their peak season upcoming, uh, and then for our northern clubs as well, um, just getting into early budgeting season for next year. Uh, the first thing I would emphasize is for club leaders and boards to recognize and, and communicate the need for members to appropriately pay for the operating needs of the club. Uh, you know, it, it sounds simple, but it, it's uh, I think it's a, a challenge to get that unity at the board level to, to commit uh, really to ensuring that every year that you know the club is safeguarded and that um, you know the the swings and fluctuations in, in operating costs increases is uh, is appropriately you know paid for by 
by the members and then by the kind of the key revenue drivers of the club being being annual dues. Um, you know, in, in years of high inflation like this, it, we, we really encourage that you know your budgeted dues sh should reflect the expected increase in operating costs. Uh, oftentimes, we'll see clubs getting into trouble where they're not increasing on an annual basis, and they're instead, um, you know, maybe doing it every three or four years. And, and this year in particular, you can really get in trouble if, if this was your planned, you know, increase year, and uh, and you've been impacted by significant inflation costs in addition to kind of the normal increase that you were planning. Um, that that certainly becomes a more of a challenge for those clubs in, in communicating that to the members. So. Um, that would be that would be the first point. Um, a few points I'll, I'll bring up from the survey results that I think reflect uh, in an encouraging way that uh, that most clubs do do support this philosophy. Um, so what we what we saw through the survey results is that on average clubs are planning on raising annual dues by 6.2 percent over the next year. Uh, 45 percent of clubs were targeting a five to between a five and seven and a half percent increase, which uh, is well aligned to kind of the you know reported inflationary rate increases that we've we've seen across the country. So I think that you know kind of infers that clubs are paying attention to their expected cost profile increase and and appropriately matching it uh, by by members uh, you know incurring that that cost through annual dues. And eighty one percent of respondents indicated that they would increase fees and revenue uh, to match any cost increases you know rather than uh, limit services or programs. So it's really that that philosophy of um, we're going to maintain service levels, you know, maintain the member experience at all costs. We're not going to take um, we're not going to take the philosophy of cost cutting um, and and you know risk the the member experience dropping. So um, two observations that I think are, are are favorable and suggest that you know clubs are, are proactively reacting to the inflation uh, the inflation threats. Eric, anything you wanted to add there before we? Dive into our next question. No, I, I think you know to bring out that six point two percent that Ben mentioned. Okay, that is that, that's a pretty healthy number. And when you're talking about communicating with members, it is absolutely imperative that you, you let them know. Look, this is what's happening. Everyone is not, they're not immune to inflation, but when it comes to their club, that sense of ownership, you know, explain this is why we're having to make the changes we are increasing dues, increasing prices on different goods and services. Um, it, it is absolutely uh, a challenge because once you start sharing information with members, they ask more questions. But it, we haven't had inflation like this in 40 years. And so there's a good chance the majority of members have never gone through this before. And so to have that level of discussion, if you will, to let members know this is what's happening. And Ben brought up another good point, and that's you know that the their clubs are looking at this as an opportunity. Look, we're going to raise rates to maintain the same level of services and amenities, and that's member facing. Okay, there are ways and, and methods and operators that are savvy. They'll look at it and say, look, where do we have to prioritize? Where our limited resources are going to make sure that the most important things that our members think are important are being taken care of. And it's important that you kind of look at that prioritization as something that might have to happen because we cannot burn out our employees. I know we're gonna talk about employees a little later on, but this is something we gotta talk about every step of the way. I mean, our employees have spent the last two years dealing with lockdowns, with n not potentially having work for six months or longer in some areas. 
and we lost a lot of our best employees to other areas. And so as we look at the club industry, we have to realize that, yes, the club is there for the members, but without the employees, we're not going to have that level of service and experience that, that our members, that, that, that they become passionate about, and then it won't be accessible for them moving forward. I'll just add one more comment, um, touching on Eric's point is, and he's, Eric is quite familiar with us, um, working in, in member surveys and, and research, uh, predominantly is, is there's a question that we ask on our surveys frequently with, with clients and that's about value for money or value for dues paid. Um, obviously it's, it's a common question. We want to get that trend kind of year after year. Um, and interestingly enough, even, even though in 2022, you know, a lot of clubs already have, have been raising dues at higher than you know what we would call traditional annual dues increases um we, we certainly haven't seen any pattern in that you know value for due satisfaction dropping so um hopefully that can maybe put some club managers at ease and that as they're you know ready to to introduce or communicate a, a larger than expected dues increase um we, we certainly haven't seen any signs of of that you know the value proposition or the tolerance for dues, uh, we haven't seen that decline this year at all, which I think is, is favorable. Well, you know, we've definitely seen um, the influx of new members and returning members and interest in clubs over the last two years. Um, you know, one of the things that the questions that we have is as many clubs are continuing to expand membership, to welcome old members back, welcome new members, what are the vital messages that they need to be communicating with these individuals as they're entering or re-entering the club space? Yeah, great question. I, I think we've certainly observed uh, an era of significant member turnover the past few years, uh, which can, can be really healthy for clubs as new members are often uh, gonna be younger, they're gonna be less resistant to, to change and evolution. Um, and often have higher tolerance levels for for fees and, and elasticity of dues. Um, you know they're they're obviously coming in, uh, and and they've made the conscious decision to join the club at the current uh, dues rate. And and sometimes um, on the other side of that, you're you know the the resignation side of the turnover is is often due to uh, members that are maybe getting priced out of the club, um, or just we're kind of in a lower level of of income elasticity to begin with. So uh, the turnover can be good. It can be really healthy. Um, what we would encourage uh, in terms of prioritizing communicating with them is, you know, first off, kind of what we just discussed, um, educate them, educate them on uh, the business model of the club and how how the private club model works. I think it's it's quite unique and quite different um, from, you know, maybe even the members that have a strong business understanding of, of you know, for profit businesses. Uh, private clubs are very different. Uh, if you can educate the members on you know how why a dues increase takes place what what are they funding how the business model works um you know what challenges the club is currently facing in the industry such as labor recruitment retention uh why the f and b operation might be different than the restaurant down the street i think all of those kind of, of educational opportunities um can really help help the members quickly get up to speed these newer members uh, and, and really make it easier to get buy-in uh, down the road uh, for some of these tough, uh, tough planning decisions. Um, would also suggest that, and this is something we're seeing through our, our survey results, is that um, member onboarding is, is rising to the surface as a, as a topic that a lot of private club members would like to see improve. And I, I think that's, that's natural through the pandemic. It, it was very difficult for, for clubs to provide that same experience for new members and, and really assimilate them um, within the membership. 
Um, so we would encourage clubs to extend the, the initiatives and the programs that they're running right now for new members. Um, you know, almost think of it as a three-year onboarding program. So anyone who's joined since 2020, um, because what, what we want to be sure is with, with all of the new members that have joined since that period, uh, we don't want to, um, you know, have left any members out, maybe the ones that joined in 2020 kind of missed their true onboarding experience and, and now are considered, you know, tenured members, but really they didn't have the same opportunity to uh, learn the club rules and the culture and, and meet members and, and engage in, in programming uh, in a back to normal scenario. So, um, you know, include them even with your new members this year and, and over the next year, uh, include those members that have, have joined since that pandemic began. Um, so that we're, we're not missing any gaps in terms of the onboarding experience. What a great idea. <laughs> They're really staying new members a lot longer than they used to. Eric, any thoughts on, on our members? You know, I, I think I would kind of take a different tact. And that comes from the fact that any of your members or operators listening to this podcast right now will inevitably agree with us when it, we say that members are always concerned about the level of communication. They want better communication. They want more communication. And that's not necessarily born out of clubs that aren't doing it. It just means that members aren't absorbing the information when it's available. And so all the great content that Ben is talking about, we have to find a way to lean forward. Preferences differ between, you know, the more seasoned members and your, and your newer members. And what we have found over COVID is that while technology can be a hindrance for some, the majority of members are readily to accept it and to say, look, this is the future. This is what we have to, to lean into. We have to lean forward. And so when you think about that communication, um, there's a concept called IMC or Integrated Marketing Communications. And this is something that was born out of the social media movement, you know, 20, 25 years ago. But when you look at a club, every department should be on the same page when it comes to planning, sharing the cadences, to kind of have that same look and feel. And so that there's not these messages that are scattered all over the internet, all over the all over members' emails. It really is being very tactical and strategic in what they're sharing. And while the technology can lead, you have to make sure the employees are prepared to follow the changes. Okay, when you look at a club and you've got someone who's been there for 25 years and she knows all the employees, all the right buttons to hit, to make sure that her and her family are the first in line. When you've got new members and they're relying on technology, they don't have that same relationship. So when Ben's talking about a three-year onboarding process, you know, we've been in focus groups, we've done the surveys, we've listened to members say, well, I didn't know that was an option. And so if you're going to start talking about leaning in or leaning forward on the communications piece, you've got to make sure that all employees are at the same level that says, look, yeah, Kyle might be a dear and beloved member of the club, but you have to help her find that same path that everyone's following because you'll have those hurt feelings. You'll have members who are being left out because they don't know the right people, quote unquote, to talk to. And so you've got to make sure that if you're going to lean into it, that all the employees are on board and that management is following through to make sure that it's happening. So vital. We could, we, you know, the, the element of communication, I love you talking about the integrated, obviously, uh, Kyle and I uh, spend a lot of our time specifically in the communications arena. And that is, Truly. that is so vital, so vital to have everybody on board singing from the same book and, you know, and making it easy 
and making it easy for members to find and participate with information. So, so important. But it's all so, right if they sing a different key though. Absolutely, absolutely. They, they, they can sing in a different key and that's all right because then members still get that same personality. It's just the story's gotta be the same, absolutely. Absolutely. So unfortunately, we are starting to see increasing COVID-19 rates um, again in many areas of the country. And so one of the things that our questions is about what clubs can be doing now um, proactively to start preparing for any potential disruptions, um, for example, reduced utilization rates or public health mandates. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about what lies ahead as we move into the cooler weather months here on the East Coast. So, Eric, can you talk through that with us a little bit? I, it, when you think about COVID, I think we're all in agreement this is something we're going to have to live with now. And when we think about the, the current iteration we're on, it's very transmissible. And so when you look at those numbers up and down ebb and flow, I think the, those numbers are going to kind of generally be there. And it's going to come down to those local health departments. You know, it's in New York City or Washington, D.C. is absolutely night and day different than, say, Dallas, Texas. And so there is no broad stroke that you could say, look, this is how you're going to have to handle it. You know, so I would look more about, OK, as these numbers change and as we know the challenges will continue, really try to focus on the mental aspects, if you will. OK, the health is one thing. The health part will tell you, look, we need to, to close down. We need to make these these changes. The mental aspect is one thing that health departments can't focus on where clubs can really step in. OK, providing, you know, showing that empathy, not only for members and employees, but being very specific to what you're offering up. Um, you know, when we look at the numbers that are out there, we know that the children have been significantly impacted, not only in their learning, but in their developmental stages. Um, numbers from the Mental Health America actually identified that parents are the second most impacted group due to COVID and the mental stress. Anyone who has a family and kids knows that the parents feel the brunt of that. And so when you're looking at new members, younger members who have those families, realize that if you want to demonstrate that care, yes, it's the services, but it's also having that, that empathy towards people. So if changes happen, say, look, we know this is hard. This is how we're going to take care of you. The second piece that I would bring up is that, look, there's, the shift has already happened, okay? We know that some of the changes brought on by COVID, they're going to stay for a while. Things like outdoor dining. One thing I always liked was that I was one of the few people who loved to dine al fresco. I know that I could go somewhere and I could sit outside relatively by myself and it would be, you know, me and my wife, my, me and my family. But now everyone's dining outside. And I don't think people are going to let that go. So you've got that. You've got the family focus, the clean. That's going to be there. But I think even with the, the bump up in COVID numbers, we've seen travel. Um, you know, if you've traveled anywhere in the U.S., especially in Europe, you know it's an absolute nightmare. And so members are part of that surge. Travelers are they're going to go back to traveling. So there is going to be some of that ebb and flow in the usage. Where the last, you know, last year, heavy usage across the board. And I know some of the numbers from the, the, our Club Leaders Perspective uh, report show that. But there's going to be some of that, that, that drawback. The second piece I would say when it comes to the shift is that workers have changed. Okay. Looking at um, some of the numbers that are out there, and there's a lot of different research, a lot of different stats that are out there. 
but I think the numbers to remember are 50%, 40%, and 10%. 50% at some point will become full-time back in the office worker workers. 40% will be remote and 10% will be some sort of hybrid. So while we're not offer we're not operating offices, we are providing opportunities for members not only to relax, but to have that lap, it'll bleed over where they will then work at the club. And so to provide that flexibility is gonna be important, especially when you think about non-urban areas. If you watch the news, San Francisco, New York, all these big cities, they talk about how everyone's going remote. When you take a step down to mid-tier or lower tier cities, offices are full again. And so you have to remember that wherever you're located at, you've got to have a good sense of where your members are. And that comes back to the feedback. Asking members, look, where are you at at work? Can we provide a workspace? Is that something that we should do? These are all things that while COVID might change, you've got to have that member focus and stay really locked in on that. Such good, such good intel. Um, Ben, anything you want to add to that before we dive into our next topic? Uh, Yeah, I'm glad Eric mentioned um, a couple of uh, amenity trends that I think are are here to stay uh, that he touched on. Certainly uh, the outdoor dining, we continue to see that be, you know, one of the the leading trends in terms of, uh, you know, current capital projects and current capital projects planned over the coming years. Um, I, I think that that'll continue to grow in popularity as casual dining has grown. Um, you know, the two kind of go hand in hand, um, the flexible workspace and, and, and really just understanding how usage patterns are likely to change in lieu of that work from home trend and, and how you can adapt your your programming or your, your capital plan um, to best serve that. So as an example, um, you know, I, I'm I'm 30 years old. I'm, I'm kind of part of that generation of, of you know, potential new joining members um, and one of the challenges I think and in the past of attracting that segment is that um, a lot of us were less flexible in terms of our work schedules. We're likely, you know, more, more, more of the time working downtown, um, you know, kind of longer, more rigid hours. So there just wasn't a lot of time available to use the club, um, especially given commutes, right? So uh, all of that has changed now. So with, with the absence of commutes a lot of the time and, and um, you know, there's, there's an opportunity for clubs to, uh, attract more usage from that younger audience on on more shorter interval interval uses. So uh, maybe it's just providing activities and programming for for members to come to the club in the morning quickly. Um, you know, get a quick workout in, um, have some satellite space to to take a few calls and meetings. Um, short shorter bursts where uh, I can use the club for an hour or two, and, and be using it. You know, four or five times a week instead of you know, in the past, it's maybe just once or twice on the weekends as a, as a younger member. So I think that's a, that's a key consideration in terms of amenities. And then overall, I would just say, you know, and clubs need to embrace being, you know, being more agile with their planning. Um, we saw that through the pandemic, the need for contingency planning and having, you know, three, four, sometimes five different scenarios. Um, the, the clubs that we thought handled it the best were the ones that, um, did actually develop those scenarios. So, okay, scenario one for return to normal. Scenario two, uh, you know, what are the different impacts? How is it going to affect our members? Um, the different changes to hours of operation, potentially or staffing, and then communicating that uh, to the members as well. Um, I think going forward, that should just be a regular part of, of budget planning is is having multiple scenarios, um, you know, for for the different assumptions and, and impacts that uh, that could take place uh, in the event that we, you know 
return to some form of, of limited or restricted operation in the future. I think that agility is so important. So important really in every area. Eric, did you have something you wanted to add? Well, and I think, you know, you know, when you talk about agility and you talk about, you know, strategic planning and your capital expenditure plan, I hate to be, you know, a Debbie Downer, if you will, but this isn't going to be our last pandemic. And so when you think about agility and you think about what does the next iteration of the club look like, you have to make sure that you're balancing the concerns of the future with where you are when it comes to opportunities. Uh, for instance, when we think about COVID, um, you know, obviously it's a, a respiratory disease. And so what stops the club from when upgrading their HVAC system to going after clean air certifications or creating that flexibility in those spaces to make sure that, look, how did this, how did this play out and how can we make sure we can include that? And so think forward, think strategically about what those challenges will look like in the next five to 10 years. And if you have the chance to make that change, just bake that into any budgetary spending you're doing so that the next time around, your members know this is the place to be because we'll always have a place to come. Well, our last question is about the challenge that we have heard the most about over the last um, two to three years. I, I, I think, you know, I, I chuckled because I found some notes from a, a retreat that we had about three years ago, pre-pandemic, the spring pre-pandemic, and written at the top of that list was labor challenges. And I chuckled because it has only been exacerbated, um, but it's not a new challenge for our industry, uh, but certainly COVID has made it much more difficult. So um, Eric, take us through what advice would you give to a club who may be experiencing challenges in hiring um, and what can they do about it? Well, Melissa, when we think about results of our, of our CLP survey, we know that clubs are expecting a six to 10% increase across a variety of different departments and units to make sure that they can maintain the employees that they have. But that number, it isn't enough. And so as we think about what our employees are going through, not only their personal lives, but work lives, we have to think about the job characteristics that managers can really take care of. Um, things like the, the physical and social environment. Um, those are the, the physical and risk factors, the demands on your employees. You have to think about the tasks and the work intensity. Is it really, you know, can we now have employees that only work four hours a day, six days a week? Is that going to be enough to attract them? Potentially not. And rethinking the tasks that we can have employees do so they have more time on site, that, that more full-time piece. Um, Things like uh, organizational characteristics, and this comes that worker participation. Are you surveying your employees? We know from, from our survey that only 45% of clubs are actually surveying their employees. That's less than half. That means there is a lot of opportunity to ask your employees, what can we do better? And that's part of that organizational characteristic and getting better at taking care of our employees. You think about working time arrangements you know, the flexibility of, of working hours, the days of being rigid. Um, while there are certain aspects that will always be, you have to be here from X time to Y time, there has to be some of that flexibility because we now know that talent is something that we have to chase after and we have to offer some of those, some of those opportunities. We talk a lot about job prospects, you know, being able to train employees, 
uh, being able to move up in the organization. These are all components that we all know. We just have to double down and make sure we're doing them as best we can. And then finally, the intrinsic, okay? You know, everyone wants employees that love service, that want to be there to serve people. Uh, the reality is that, that that number is dwindling. And so you have to find other intrinsic motivators. Why to have people at the club? Um, it is for friendship. It's for camaraderie. It's not just with other employees. It's with members. It's with managers. It's trying to understand that role of personal fulfillment and really pursuing that as best as possible. I love that 360 approach. Yeah, I would, I would echo a lot of what Eric said. I think within our survey results, even we, we, we saw employee flexibility really rise to the top in terms of obviously wage you know, wage increases was, was number one in terms of uh, uh, an impactful you know, tactic, but, uh, but employee flexibility uh, in terms of one that maybe um, doesn't cost as much your bottom line, that, that was really important and a big focus from club leaders. Um, and again, just aligning with kind of societal trends in general and what the next generation of employees is, is going to be expecting uh, from the club. Um, technology, I would also say, I, I, think, I think clubs need to focus more on, on technology options to, uh, um, you know, to soften the, the load or mitigate you know, the, the need for, for human capital. Um, you know, as, as the price of human capital increases, the, the relative cost of technology as a substitute uh, goes down. Uh, you know, that's, that's just kind of an economic principle. So in times like these, uh, it certainly makes business sense to be evaluating uh, technology. Um, two of the largest areas on the survey of, of expected growth in labor costs is food and beverage and in the golf course maintenance, uh, which also coincide to be, you know, two of your largest labor forces at the club. So um, if there's technology options available that can help help to either, you know, either improve the uh, the service capabilities and convenience for your staff, or uh, or you know eliminate the need for uh, uh, for as large of a workforce. I think that's certainly something that that clubs need to be investigating. On food and beverage side, it's you know what we're seeing a lot of is is more movement to tablets, digital menus, a mobile POS, um, and then on the the greens maintenance side, it's it's automated mowers has has kind of been one for years that we've been expecting uh, a little bit more of a pickup and adoption. Um, and I think that'll continue to be evaluated as as uh, as an option. You know, not not completely replacing you know your your turf workforce, but you know to do you know a, a part of the load, whether it's you know just the uh, um, you know just certain you know fairways or aprons or or um, a, a way to start earlier in the morning noise by. It's certainly options that I think clubs should be looking into, uh, particularly in the in the current environment. Um, so the report is is. Uh, is now ready and we're, we're looking forward to sharing that uh, across the industry and then we'll also be uh, participating in a webinar i believe next week to uh, uh to share some findings in in, uh, in a little bit more detail um than, than we've done today absolutely we'll make sure to put, drop a link to uh to the full report um on gda partners website as well as the webinar information um in our show notes as well for folks who want to hear more um thank you so much for joining us today cannot cannot say enough about the insights that you provided and, and definitely things for us to think about as we move forward into the fall and into 2023. What a riveting conversation, Melissa. I think there's a lot of great information in this report. And as we said, you can access that at ggapartners.com. But obviously, CMAA will be sharing that out through our platforms as well over the next couple of weeks. So if you have any questions, please 
don't hesitate to reach out to either of us or Amilcar Davy, who has worked very closely with GGA on putting together this report. Um, and yeah, take a look at it. Take whatever information from it you need. There's a ton there. <laughs> As always, yeah. it's very useful. Um, you can also find data from that report. It will be featured in the board brief, which comes in every edition of the magazine, and that's designed to be shared with your club boards. So we try to break down that report and pull data pieces from it that could be interesting or valuable to your boards. Um, if you're interested in presenting that information to them, you can find that in the magazine. All right, Melissa. So like we mentioned at the top of the show, it's a very busy season. We are just starting off strong. You said back to school, and that's true for, you know, the young youths of the world, but also it's true for our CMAA members. We are back to school in terms of offering a lot of learning opportunities this fall. So let's chat a little bit about what we've got coming up over the next several months. Sure. So if you haven't heard about it, the Club, Spa, and Fitness Association Annual Conference is coming up in September. Uh, this event will be September 21st and 22nd in mm -hmm. the beautiful state of Florida down at Gray Oaks Country Club. So, you know, we know wellness, health and wellness, and that focus is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So preparing your club should be top priority to ride that wave to member satisfaction. So the fantastic schedule offers keynote sessions, interactive attendee-driven follow-up discussions, and networking opportunities, as well as connecting with some of the partners who can help put those things in place at your club. So check it out now. Come to CMA. You can find all of everything we're going to talk about today on CMA's events page. So just click that learn tab at cma.org. Select meetings and events, and you'll find all of these events. Absolutely. And before the CSFA event this next month is our CMAA's Leadership and Legislative Conference, and that will be taking place September 12th through the 14th here in the D.C. area. We will be at the um, Mayflower Hotel in downtown D.C. once again, um, and we're excited to welcome everyone back to our city. Um, the theme this year is Engage, Empower, and Connect, and we're encouraging all of our attendees to come with their best ideas and learn from each other and from our incredible panel of speakers. We've got some wonderful folks lined up to speak throughout the week. And I can say this, I know Melissa has been like in the weeds planning this event, um, but I'm really thrilled for the work that she and the team here has done in putting together LLC this year. Um, so if you haven't registered, there's still plenty of time to do so. Please register, please join us. Our goal as always is to have a representative from every chapter. Um, and we're we're not there yet so if you if you are interested in coming if you're interested in learning more about the leadership side of CMAA um, and if you have any passing interest in legislative or advocacy work this is the time to come join us um, registration is available online and as Melissa said you can find more information on our meetings and events page on CMAA.org but that's not it we've got <laughs> of course more. not <laughs> and, you know, we know when we've been talking to members that right now it is super hard to get away from the club. And, you know, with everything that the staffing challenges, there's just so much going on. And so we don't want that that to hold back anybody from meeting their goals. And that's why this year's mid-management conference um, is actually going to be virtual. So 
October 24th and 25th. You can attend from anywhere with a computer and internet. Feel free to wear your bunny slippers. Um, (laughs) And you can explore the sessions on personal leadership, club trends, and career advancement. Um, That is brought to you by our our partners with Jonas and Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. So great education, great opportunity to continue to work towards your certification, develop new leadership skills, and ultimately advance your career. So we don't let anything to stop you from meeting your goals. So that virtual opportunity is coming up soon. Registration is now open. And finally, for today, finally, (laughs) um, we are really, really excited to announce the return of the National Student Education Conference. This is the first year we've had the conference since 2019 is the last time we were able to get together with our students in such a um, focused capacity Uh, and this year we're heading back to Chicago the last time we were there was in 2018 Chicago is actually the birthplace of not just CMAA it's Chicago's a special place we have a lot of things to talk about when it comes to Chicago but Chicago is also the birthplace of the National Student Education Conference it actually grew out of um, an effort from the greater Chicago chapter so they're always excited to bring us back yes Melissa uh, interesting fact, the mid-management conference also, also started in Chicago and was a grassroots effort, started in 1991 by the Greater Chicago Chapter. So we, you, we you owe know a I lot. know the history facts. I love of that. Course. Love that. So. <laughs> we owe a lot to the, the Chicago area and all of our managers in that area. They really are always thinking of ways to move CMAA forward. But in this this year, the National Student Education Conference, NSEC, is headed back to Chicago November 4th through the 7th. Um, students and faculty and club management professionals from around the country are welcome to come together to learn from each other. Obviously, this is a student-focused event. Um, This is a place where our student members can develop a better understanding of the club industry. We have hospitality students joining us from everywhere who may not have had much experience in clubs. So this is a really great opportunity for our students to get their foot in the door literally at different types of clubs. They'll be seeing city clubs, country clubs, and I think one or two other types of clubs in the area. Um, And they get to tour these facilities. They get to hear from some really incredible speakers. We're excited to announce featured speaker Rachel Sheeran will be joining us at that event. She's wonderful. She's a CMAA fan favorite. Um, So our students are really going to have a great time. So if if you're a student and you're interested in attending, please head over to cmaa.org and learn more about registration. Um, But if you work with students in any capacity as either a faculty member or a liaison manager or you're just you know, excited about getting our next generation of club management professionals fired up about the industry, please, please reach out to them and tell them about this educational event. It's a really awesome opportunity. I've had the privilege to go um, for several years. And I mean, I always learn something new and I'm I'm not a student. So (laughs) student conference NSEC will be in Chicago, November 4th through the 7th. And we are really, really thrilled to be bringing it back this year. Melissa, I think that covers everything on our plate for now, for the fall semester of CMAA learning. Well, uh, most of it, most, most of it, of but it we'll leave some more for, for, next, for our next edition. <laughs> Obviously, there's BMIs and such going on as per usual, and BMI International, which I think there are still spaces for as well. Always. Lord almighty. We're a little busy over here, friends. Yeah. <laughs> 
But that wraps us up, I think, for this episode of the podcast. We will be back in just a little while with another interview from one of our partners, Pulsar Security. And that, let me tell you, was a great conversation in which we're really excited to share with you all. But until then, I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Club Management. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Take care, friends. Bye. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org.